ways of sexual morality, and the unbelieving world is not necessarily unclear on where the church stands in these areas either. It is also not enough to simply offer practical help on the topics of communication, romance, and sexuality. Practical help is, well, helpful, and I want to share some wisdom in those areas with you. But practical steps take us only so far without the right motivations and the right character. Any truly biblical treatment of these subjects must go deeper than outward application. The Holy Spirit is first dedicated to our inward transformation, and the good news is that God is committed to this work. Yes, there is good news amid all the confusion surrounding romance, marriage, and sex, and it's actually found in the first sentence of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That simple yet profound sentence gives us the authoritative lens through which to see the world. The universe that you and I inhabit was created and ordered and is sovereignly governed by a good creator God. One of the implications of this truth is that there is now wisdom woven into the very fabric of life that, if submitted to, makes life to the full possible. But submission to this wisdom doesn't come easily. Two chapters into the book of Genesis, we see sin's arrival wreaking havoc on the creative order, poisoning every earthly relationship, beginning with Adam's marriage to Eve. Where the relationship between man and woman was originally one of joyful exuberance and complementarity, sin made it confusing, fraught with conflict, and at times extremely painful. This is not the way God designed the world to run. And yet, a mistake Christians often make is confusing the perversion for the design. We see all the pain and anxiety that result from relationships and conflict, particularly in the areas of sex and sexuality, and we begin to treat sex and the desire for it as bad in and of themselves. But the ways we abuse a thing do not negate the value of that thing. Misuse does not disprove the proper use. So when the scriptures say that God scooped the dirt up from the ground and shaped man, we acknowledge that this means all of him. I'm not trying to be crass here, but when God shaped the man, he gave the man a penis. It wasn't the devil who did that. God didn't mold most of the man and then let Satan add his own touch. Neither did Satan sneak in and alter God's good creation. No, for whatever power the devil has, he is still not a creator. He just perverts and twists God's good designs. God put the penis on the man, and he put the testicles on the man, and he filled those testicles with sperm. He created all tissue, some that would expand, some that would secrete. He filled the man with testosterone that would drive much of his life. From the beginning, this was God's idea. Then he sent the man out, filled with testosterone, to walk through all creation and name the animals, to exercise God-given authority. When Adam was done with that, before sin entered the world, God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. I want to say it again, God's the one who created and wired this whole thing. In Genesis 2, sin hadn't even entered the world yet, and God said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. So he knocked him out, pulled out a rib, and shaped the woman. And as he shaped the woman differently, he gave her larger breasts, rounder hips, and a vagina. He filled the woman with a different hormone, estrogen. The woman's body was not the devil's idea. It was all God's doing. 
When Adam woke up, he looked at the woman, and the whole literary form shifted. He began to sing. Adam had been naming the animals, camel, donkey, horse, fish, and then he broke into song when he saw the woman. This at last his song began, as if he had been longing for some undefined fulfillment all along. After all, there had been no helper found suitable for him among the animal world. But this creature, at last. He named her woman, which from the Hebrew essentially means out of me or mine. How profound is that? After he named all the animals, he sang the first love song the moment he laid eyes on Eve. He sang, Mine. This is itself a foretaste of the declaration in the Song of Solomon, My beloved is mine and I am his. As Genesis 2 closes, we see God's plan for relationships and sex.